donner des armes pour tuer ton peuple. N'écoute pas, Afrique. Afrique Nanga Oyamba, toi cheveux crepus. Batwa Mayele Bo Simba Niba Bigi. Oya Bilanga Bo Simba Niba Congo. Simba Niba Bokomo Munale Kate Africa. Malobate, Monsalande. Hello and welcome to Congo Live. This is your host Patricia. Joining us in the studio today is Kambali Musavuli. How are you doing today, Kambali? Doing pretty good. Uh, really nice weather on the East Coast. I'm still here uh, on the East Coast, specifically in the DMV area, as you guys call it here. So when are you going back? Hopefully um, next year. Next that year. was actually a joke, <laughs> right? So I mean, I've been here enjoying the weather and also connecting with people in the community here. Uh, something I did really fun this week was uh, watching a famous, interesting movie called Gunman. Do you know the movie? I think I actually did see it. If you can give us a little bit more about it, what, what makes it so interesting? I mean, I was surprised to be watching this movie called Gunman. Uh, the main actor is uh, Sean Penn. And surprisingly, it was so close to Congo. I mean, the whole plot is the Congo. Um, and for those of you who are going to watch it, you should not be listening to the show because I'm going to tell you what the movie is about. So the movie uh, talks about uh, this, um, if you know Congolese politics, it's the Lutundula Commission, uh, when the, there was a renegotiation of mining contracts in Congo. And uh, the set is that uh, the minister of mine in congo due to pressure of civil society they agreed to change mining contract and corporations are now very furious that the congolese government finally decided that they want to have a fair share of the deal and given um, the minister of mine was the powerful person in the government to make the decision uh, mining corporations sent a killer a sniper to actually kill uh, the minister of mine, um, he was killed. And then the next part, I'll be, I hope the listeners will be watching the movie to know what happened next after the killing of the minister of mine in Congo. But it's a very interesting movie and I enjoyed watching it. It sounds very similar to a lot of stories we hear about what goes on in Africa in general. Yes, yes, yes. And it, it was very particular because he actually took a the reality of uh, how the deals take place uh, in Africa, right? Mm -hmm. uh, specifically in the Congo, because sometimes we just hear these wars and these so-called ethnic strife, but there is no emphasis on the geopolitical situation or the economic, uh, the mineral exploitation that causes that. But the film shows that. It's not just these Africans killing each other. You have a hand in Washington and in London who are hiring are snipers who are cutting deals to make sure that they still plunder Africa's wealth, specifically in this case, Congo's wealth. Well, for those that have never seen the movie, can you give us the name again? What is it called? The Gunman. The Gunman. Yes. Well, today we have a really interesting uh, show today. It's going to be a great learning opportunity for those who are involved in technology and business and just anything in regards to investing in the Congo. Um, the name of the show today is going to be Consulting for Global Businesses with the Congolese entrepreneur, Kulia Zongu, who is our special guest today um, in the studio. Yes, yes, I'm looking forward to speaking with him, an economist and entrepreneur 
uh, who has advised so many global uh, firms uh, locally on the African continent in a specific city and uh, around the globe. And I have some business ideas that I want to throw out. Maybe <laughs> he's going to help me with my business plan. Well, he'll definitely give us some insight on the world business management, public policy, international development, and our special guest, Mr. Kulia, who is be joining us in a little bit. We are definitely excited to have him. But before we do, can you share some uh, news with us, Kambali? Definitely. On the ground in Congo right now, the Congolese government is in full force to implement the Congolese constitution, uh, which was voted by the Congolese people in 2006 through a referendum. Uh, this constitution called for the Congo to be divided up in more provinces. Currently, we have 11. Now we are going to have 26. And the Congolese, gov- Congolese government has now implemented uh, the, what we call the decoupage of a few provinces now. About five of them have, are now divided up as of last week. Uh, secondly, Ethiopian uh, Airlines, uh, which has uh, decided to fly into Congo and uh, makes, make the Congo one of its hub, uh, with specific flight also in the eastern part of Congo, in Goma, has been prevented uh, to flying their planes uh, into Goma, uh, stating uh, the Congolese government is stating that uh, the flight to Goma is not safe. And this is uh, something also that's worrying uh, some of us in diaspora because we were looking forward to those flights directly to Goma to go to the eastern part of Congo. So we hope this can be actually uh, changed. Uh, The departing French ambassador uh, in the Congo critiqued the Congolese political leadership for wanting to remain in power at any cost. Uh, Most of our listeners probably know that every week we give the political analysis of what's happening on the ground. The president of the Congo, uh, Kabila, is due to leave power on um, in December of 2016 after the end of his second term. But there have been political machination on the ground uh, calling for a change of the constitution so he could run for a third term and all the political mani- ma- manipulation. So the French ambassador raised his voice against uh, this political machination, uh, stating that you know, they have to actually uh, let the people uh, rule the country without latching on to power. Unfortunately, uh, the horrors taking place in the eastern part of Congo is still ongoing. Uh, the P- our people in uh, Beni are still suffering uh, from uh, attacks uh, from unknown gunmen. Nine people were killed uh, from gunshot wound, uh, gunshot and machete this week. Uh, this has been going on for over a year now, and um, we still trying to keep the story alive so people know that uh, people in Beni still need our support. The calendar for the elections of governors of the new provinces, you know, I just mentioned that I divided up the provinces, now we have to elect new governors. So it's set for July 27th to August 13th. So we are going to have new governors for these new provinces that, that are now in, uh, in existence in Congo. Uh, in the case of Floribert Chebea, uh, Floribert Chebea was a Congolese human rights activist who was uh, assassinated in 2010. And up until today, he, we have not received justice about uh, who killed him. And the, the whole case has been really a shame. But a new witness has come forward uh, saying that um, it, uh, there was a third person um, who was killed during the assassination of Floribert Chebea, the Congolese human rights activist, with his uh, driver um, who was with him at the time. And lastly, I will bring up the story of uh, our brothers uh, Fred Bauma and Yves Makwambala, who has been uh, 
in uh, prison still. Uh, the European Parliament, Parliament last week has uh, raised the voice that the Congolese government should release them from um, prison since they are still uh, unlawfully, I could say, arrested by the Congolese government. Congo Live, this is your host Patricia Lokwa joining us with Kambali Musavuli. Show me the way. And you were listening to Papa Wimba, and yes. like Kambali just mentioned, it's Show Me the Way. And speaking of showing the way, um, our guest today, Mr. Kulia, is going to be showing us the way to the business management world and public policy and international development. And if you can share a little bit of his bio, because he has quite an extensive bio. Yes, uh, 
is the managing director of Kenzie Enterprise, a consulting company specializing in global business management, public policy, international development. I hope one day I can also run a boutique firm as he does, because in his daily operations, he really looks at three divisions where he impacts uh, his uh, clients as far as uh, startups, global corporations, state agency, international development, organization, universities. And before uh, his current position as the managing director of this boutique firm, he advised and worked in the financial service, uh, services and IT industries, a sector that I'm also engaged in. So I'm definitely looking forward to reading, hearing more about how uh, IT industry is shaping up Africa. But what's very interesting about him also, beside all this uh, business eco- economy and tech, is also an art lover. Mm-hmm. You know, he has a, he's an avid collector of antique and contemporary African art. And his plan is to partner with other collectors and organize a series of exhibits all across the United States, uh, Europe, or even on our beloved African continent. Definitely. Well, I'm actually really interested in finding out how Mr. Kulia got into the art field. Mr. Kulia, welcome to our show, Congo Live. We're so happy to have you here. Oh, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. So tell us, um, how did you get into art? Oh, I got into art. You know, art is part of African life. When uh, when you're in Africa, um, you see art everywhere. Um, I um, I admire art where I grew up. I grew up in the eastern part of Congo. I was mm-hmm. born in Bukavu, mm-hmm. uh, but also going back and forth between uh, between my city and going back to my village, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, was a couple of hours from Bukavu. And uh, you mm-hmm. see, I'm from one group. It's called a Lega group in mm-hmm. eastern Congo, and we have a huge, huge art. And my grandfather was the local paramount chief, mm-hmm. so okay. he had a lot of art in his. Um, in his house. You've done a really amazing job of transitioning from the French professional world into the English professional world. And can you tell us a little bit of how you did that? Yes. Um, this was by sometimes by necessity. Um, my first goal when I went to study in Europe, uh, in France and Switzerland, was to just study economics and finance and go back home, mm-hmm. um, um, maybe work for a bank and then set up my own investment company, small investment company in the eastern part of Congo. But things didn't work out the way I wanted. Um, and then in the mid-90s, the war broke out. Um, uh, when Laurent Desiree Kabila started the war Absolutely. against the government mm-hmm. and uh, Mobutu was toppled, so the old eastern part of Congo become, became destabilized. So I had to have a plan B. At that time, I was living in Switzerland. So I decided to try my way in in another African country in West Africa, in Ivory Coast. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, so I started a consulting uh, business there. Um, it started working well, and then also because of political issues in, in Cote d'Ivoire, I had to leave, so I came to the U.S. Um, and then start a new life here, um, start a new life. So the transition from the French-speaking world to the English-speaking world, for me, was a little bit easier because while I was studying in Europe, um, I studied, I was studying a lot of English and oh, when you okay. study economics, you do a lot of English and it was also a way to prepare myself as an African immigrant mm-hmm. because I knew I didn't have enough opportunity in France. So I had to study uh, another language. Uh, mm-hmm. Number one, if I wanted to work in Europe, I wanted to go in a place like London, um, Which where the sense. financial sector is larger mm-hmm. than in mm-hmm. continental Europe. 
Um, so I had to learn English. At the same time, too, um, also because for me, the view of Africa was not just a Francophone Africa and Anglophone Africa because mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Africa is the same. And uh, when you do business, English is the language in, in most African countries. And also when I look at the countries uh, where the economies are more developed in Africa, the English-speaking countries like South Africa, even countries like Kenya and all of that. So English was kind of like part of life. So uh, whenever you uh, no, you went to Europe, you did uh, some businesses, but you definitely have the background right on that in the Congo. What what schools did you go to being in Congo, and how was that experience about the education system in Congo? In Congo, okay, yeah, me, I had this kind of um, weird experience in Congo. <laughs> um, I went to, I think, five primary schools. Wow. Why? Because my father was a civil servant and okay. every one or two years we used to move to another place. So I had to adjust. I have had time to tell anybody which school I went to really because I went to so many <laughs> mm. of those primary schools. Yeah. Um, I studied in Bukavu, then we moved to another place, then another place. And then we came back to Bukavu and then moved on. Um, So it was moving around the country, going to different schools. Uh, but it was a great experience. For me, the best memories of my life were, were, are when I was living back home. Because when yeah. I see Congo that people describe um, today on TV or anything else, it's not a Congo I grew up in. Mm -hmm. Tell our listeners what, what that was. Like, what are those memories that you cherish so much? It was a great place. Uh, number one, when it came to education, I'm going to go back to the family too. Number one, when it came to education, so, you know, It was an open, even though those teachers were not well paid, but they were coming really to transmit something. It was a mission for them to educate the country. And also it was a partnership because I see the debate here in the U.S. all the time about public education. Mm -hmm. But there it was a partnership between the families, mm -hmm. the schools and the communities. Mm -hmm. uh, so if uh, my teacher gave me a homework, they would tell my mom and my dad. They would know I had a homework and I was a kid like any kid I wanted to play soccer a lot but they would tell my parents so i would not be playing the time i was supposed to to uh to 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 have my homework to be done and also make great friends and we used to work together we used to compete together in sport and also in school so it was like uh, an old generation you're growing up together to become somebody so They, really they say it takes a, a family, it takes a village to raise a child. And when you say that, what are certain things during your moving within the Congo that really defined you as a Congolese where as you left Congo, you've kept with you today? What are some of the cultural aspects of Congo that really defined you? Um, the sense of the, com the, sense of the community. community. Um, mm -hmm. uh, friends. I have friends uh, I knew a long time ago and haven't met for more, 30 plus years. Mm -hmm. But Anytime I hear the name, I just feel like these are my family, so they're part of me. Yeah. Um, even now with uh, social media, WhatsApp or Facebook, mm -hmm. I connected with a friend of mine. Uh, his father used to to be like the the head of the army in that province at that time. I mm -hmm. haven't seen him for a long time. And he's not from my province. I'm from Eastern Congo. He's from Equatera. Mm -hmm. And we connected. Now he's a politician in Congo. So we're so happy like we're kids Absolutely. when we're connected. So it's like a, a family. And we had this sense of national unity beyond ethnicity and anything else. Uh, while today people talk about ethnic wars in Congo. Mm -hmm. But when we were growing up, we were, you know, growing up just like Congolese. We had the common goal. We wanted to build a, 
more beautiful and you know a stronger country in the middle of Africa and we could be the engine for growth and for development for Africa those were our dreams at that time let's see so how did you end up in Europe uh, from the your time in Congo and then next in Europe oh yeah so I went to Europe to study um, okay. as a young man at that time so I went to University of Grenoble which is in the yeah. eastern part of France where I studied economics, and then I went to graduate school in the University of Geneva in Geneva, Switzerland. Okay. Yeah, so I went to Europe to study, and my plan was to go back home, not to stay uh, abroad. Unfortunately, I'm still abroad now. Right now. <laughs> I see, but you, uh, you are doing a lot uh, abroad, especially uh, in the economic, uh, in the economy and businesses. And I want to get back a little bit on the topic that we have today around uh, business, right? Because you are in the business world, and you see opportunities you know, in Africa, in the U.S., around the world. And the biggest story right on the African continent is China's presence on the African continent and the U.S. influence also on the African continent. Do you think it's okay for Africans to deal with China? If yes, why? If no, why not? Um, generally speaking, yes, it's okay. We got to do trade with everybody. Trade creates wealth for everybody. <laughs> but... The point here is how trade is done. Um, okay. So far, we have opened up our arms to China, which is great, but we've been too naive uh, when it's come to Africa. So because Africa was neglected for so long by the international investors, mm -hmm. so China came in and uh, kind of like filled the void that was there. And of course, China changed the game in Africa. That for sure, China did a lot just to come to Africa and invest massively in infrastructure. But the problem here is um, China is not coming to Africa for charitable work. China is coming to Africa for its own needs. Yeah, and Africans were so naive to say China going to save us, never going to save us. Uh, what we need to do on our side, we got to have our own development agenda. Um, uh, how we're going to develop like agriculture. We're going to industrialize Africa. We're going to create more services. We're going to even create more financial services and banking services to fund everything. And China's investment should just come in to enhance the development agenda we have. The problem is most African countries, we don't even have our own development agenda. We just accept whatever China is doing. And just look at the, the way, and I'm not trying here to criticize China. I've, I've been one of the cheerleaders for China, Chinese investment in Africa, but I'm not here just to criticize it. But when you look at it, China is, is coming to Africa just to build its own outspot for mining and uh, natural resources and create build infrastructure just to export to bring it to the different ports in That's africa it. and then export it to china mm -hmm. so they're trying to build the same model as the colonial model i'm not saying china is coming to colonize africa but the infrastructure they're building just look at the railroad in many many african countries like yeah. drc even zambia angola it's mostly china building its own infrastructure to to export everything and, and of course these are debt Africa is taking and we should use Chinese money now, Chinese funding and Chinese uh, know-how to create partnership with local African entrepreneurs yes. that we can build road, we can build infrastructure, uh, we can build housing and everything else for our need as uh, societies in Africa. If we want to build a road, let's say in DRC, mm -hmm. why should we first start with re rehabilitating, let's say a railroad going maybe from just Lubumbashi to 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 the border of Angola and then and then the other one going to 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 the port in Angola just to export yeah. Chinese 
mines. That no, shouldn't be the case. We should build a railroad, maybe rehabilitate the one, maybe going to Lubumbashi, mm-hmm. up to Kamina, up to Kolo, uh, up to Kalemi, another one up to Kindu, and another one going to from Kamina, going to Mbujimai and Kananga, and also build road all over the country and 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 something that's going to create a national economy where we can trade with each other. That's the problem in our countries is like we don't. If you look at somebody who lives in Lubumbashi, they don't trade that much with somebody who lives in Kisangani or in Goma. They trade more with somebody who lives in South Africa. So we got to change that. The more we create trade within Congo, the more we're going to create wealth within Congo, and the more we're going to create even revenue for the government and for and 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 salaries for income for for the employees, and the more we're going to develop Congolese economy. But the way we are doing it with China so far now, it's just to export everything outside. As I listen to you, um, you know, it makes sense what you're saying, but there's also a reality that exists within the Congo when you think of corruption. Anytime somebody comes there, you can have all these great ideas, as you may mention, but you're always hitting a bump on the road, whether it be government officials or whatever um, may be blocking that and how people, how the money moves around the country. What are things that need to happen within the, within the Congo for us to hold Congolese leaders accountable? in order for business to flourish and for the economy to start moving up? Yeah, so we have to have two approaches. One is from um, from the bottom. Uh, mm-hmm. We got to get people involved. We got to explain to them what are the economic rights because we explain more about political rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, people got to vote. They got to vote somebody in, somebody out. Uh, but we don't really explain enough about economic rights of people. What, what so, do you mean by economic uh, rights? It's just to know what is the national budget. Okay. Uh, what is when you know what is the national budget and also the provincial budget, you're gonna create some group just to monitor how the money is spent. So uh, everywhere there are leakages, so money going out mm-hmm. for no reason, uh, people will know and they will mobilize, and maybe those. Uh, public officials are going to think twice before they take money away. So we got to create those local groups at each level, uh, like mm-hmm. grassroots group, that's going to be monitoring everything going on in the government, and they're going to lobby the government. At the same time, at the top, we have to lobby to for a better governance in Congo, which mm-hmm. can be political governance, which can also be the transparency in the national, uh, the national level. Uh, the parliament should, should be kind of empowered to do its job and control uh, the way the government, you know, spend the money. Mm. And also we're going to create as many bodies as possible in within the civil society mm-hmm. to control the government. Because the civil society, we're the one who represented citizens. Absolutely. And if we don't do our job, knowing corruption in Congo, those politicians are going to just go back to politics as usual. What I'm hearing is uh, creating transparency in uh, governance, uh, be it Addis or on the topic that we're speaking is uh, the way money spent by the government Um, and those are good tools um, that they use here in the u.s and coming back now to the u.s and i'll speak from the western perspective um, how do you think uh, or what do you think africans or congolese in particular should deal with the west when it comes to doing business uh, with the west and the the investment also that come from the west um yeah we should uh uh, as I was saying in, with China, we should have our own agenda. Let's say, uh, like the business community in Congo and the people in the diaspora here, mm-hmm. uh, we should have our own plan, how to develop our own country, how to develop private enterprises, and also how to lobby the government, and also how to develop partnership between us in the civil society and the business community 
and and the government uh once we have that plan then the uh, international investment uh foreign investment can just come in to enhance what we do uh as long as we don't have it they're going to just come in and do whatever they want to do and and god we can have the example which is the worst one in the mining sector yeah. you see any company coming into congo chinese indian uh israeli um even from kazakhstan they come in and um uh, they signed a mining contract with uh, the government on uh, um Jekamin which is a big mining company so they signed this contract with no transparency and then because Jekamin doesn't have the expertise to to understand even even the clauses of the contract so they take advantage of it and then those contracts are passed down to somebody else to second third or fourth and they end up being sold somewhere those companies when they export they end up being sold somewhere on the stock market in London or in Toronto and they make a lot of money but there are no congolese yeah. uh, in between so us as congolese we shouldn't be naive to just accept everything so we should um lobby the government and also organize ourselves to become investors in congo um in in critical sectors in of the country and also any kind of sector it can be in mining it can be in infrastructure uh it can be in education it can be in something else but once we do that then you're going to see uh congo going to develop well and also us we're going to help build wealth for the country we're going to help uh uh increase the salaries for the people who work for those companies and then we're going to help everybody have a better life in congo we definitely want to hear a little bit more about some of your ideas but before we do we want to remind our listeners who want to participate in this conversation to call congo live at 410481 1010 and for those who don't have a pen make sure you grab a pen cuz I'll give the number again it's 410 481 and we'll take a short break while we listen to Pepe Cali Article 15 Salange ki salwe
to Congo Live. Uh, thank you for all our listeners who are listening. And and for those who may want to participate in this conversation, um, if you didn't get the number before, the number is 410-481-1010 if you want to call the Congo Live show and you have questions regarding economics and business uh, relations in Africa and Congo, this is the person you want to call. We have Mr. Kulia who's in the studio with us today with Kambali. Yes, and yes. welcome back, Mr. Kulia. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. S- just to uh, kind of discuss directly from uh, the song that we just had, um, Article 15, Débrouillez-vous, Débrouillez-vous. <laughs> you know, so when I heard that, um, I'm thinking about how uh, you as a, an African entrepreneur have come here to the U.S. and you are successful in the work that you do. But some other young people want to do what you do, including myself. You know, how, how did you become a... Uh, an entrepreneur, how do you get into just advising and consulting uh, global businesses? Where did this idea come from? Uh, the idea came from, you know, I just looked around myself. And uh, um, when you come into a foreign country with so many challenges, uh, you want to create your own pathway to either to the top or to wherever you think is the top for you uh, yeah. to reach your goals. Uh, and for me, I had two choices. It was either investment banking or consulting. Okay. Um and I try a little bit to be in the financial services, which uh, uh, which is kind of related to investment banking. Yeah. Um, and at one time, I wanted to stop working for somebody and start yeah. something for mm-hmm. myself. And then I look around me and say, what are the core competencies I have that can help me start w- where I am, not where I want to be? Yeah. And that's why I say, you know, I, I'm from Africa. 
and uh, I lived in Europe and now I'm in the US. Uh, what can I create that can kind of try to be a triangle for these three parts? And consulting for me was a good way because you bring ideas to people or people bring ideas to you and then you help shape those ideas to become business opportunities and then down the road to become successful enterprises. And so that's why. So we advise people how to set up businesses and okay. how to help them grow and what kind of strategies they can have to avoid being hit by another business and disappear so they can grow and they can diversify sometimes. And that's what we do. So mm -hmm. what did you choose the U.S.? Uh, I chose the U.S. because I used to come here to visit and okay. uh, uh, kind of um, it's very interesting for me. I didn't choose the U.S. Uh, as people say because of business opportunity. I chose the U.S. because I could see people like myself here. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. After living a couple of years in Europe, you feel like you don't belong there. Uh, you're just, you go somewhere to get your education, and then you go back to Africa. And because my country, Congo, was at war, and I went to Africa, things didn't work out the way I wanted. Um, so the U.S. was kind of like, the first time I got to the U.S., I was uh, in Harlem. I just felt like I was in Africa um, <laughs> yeah. to see this many African population. And also, Africans have been here for more than 300 years. And yes. When you look at it, when you know Africa very well, not just a big city, even small villages, and uh, you get to a place like Harlem in New York, you meet this uh, old man, old woman from the South, the U.S., who moved to Harlem maybe mm -hmm. 50 years ago. You sit down, you talk to them. You may think like these are the people you met in Boeing, people you met in, in Buta, people you met somewhere. So they have this kind of wisdom we have back home. Mm -hmm. um, and I felt at home here. That's, that's why I said, okay, because I cannot go back to Congo at this time, so let me go to the U.S. At least I can build something there. And, of course, it's the biggest economy. So on the personal side, liking uh, just the connection I could have, the yeah. African foundation of America, I call it that way, um, and also business opportunities. So that's why I, I, liked, I, I liked it. When yeah. you say you consult uh, businesses, are you specifically speaking within the USA, or do you also consult businesses wanting to invest in the Congo? Um, so far, we've done some work with Congo, but not that much. Mm -hmm. We work now mostly in the U.S. Mm -hmm. and with uh, Asia, China, mm -hmm. China particularly, um, and somehow with Japan and Korea. And now we're trying to expand to because we split the company in two parts, and uh, we want to focus a lot on Africa because myself, I would like to, in a couple of years, just to be living somewhere in one African country. Mm -hmm. It can be our own country or it can be Kenya or it can be South Africa. Where Because I see so many opportunities in Africa. This is the time for Africa. Africa is moving forward and uh, the youth of Africa, they want to change the continent. Yeah. But you have still have the old uh, superstructure of political leaders who Absolutely. don't understand it. So we want to go back home and be part, part of this new wave because I'm, in the, I'm older than these younger people. Um, at the same time, people my generation and power, but they don't perform as they should have been. So we can help these young entrepreneurs move forward and also help this entrepreneurial spirit that exists in Africa, especially the women um, mm -hmm. in Africa. You go in any place in Africa and the marketplace is dominated by women and marketplace that way the economy should mm -hmm. be growing. And these are the places where we would like to bring our own expertise in, in terms of knowledge, how to help them grow the businesses at the same time to to become kind of like a venture capitalist, to invest in uh, in those women who have businesses, in those young people who have business ideas, who are coming out of school or who have experience with other companies. So we can help them build something bigger so that we don't just depend on 
Chinese uh, or Western enterprises. So we can just be partner of everybody else. So we can have our own Afri- African own uh, enterprises. So for a person listening, you're saying we. What is the name of your company? For those who want to work with you, who say, you know yes, what, I really yeah. love this guy's ideas. You know, I want to do something, whether it be in China, in the USA, yes, or yes. in Africa. Yes. How do they reach you? Yeah, so they can reach us. So the company is called KNZ Enterprises here in the U.S., but the international part uh, that's going to be developing in Africa is called NICOGER Group, which is N-I-C-O-G-E-R. We're building a website for the company. And NICOGER, uh, just to, I don't tell everybody why, the name NICOGER. NICOGER is a connection. It's, uh, um, you take nine, nine, N-I is Nile, mm-hmm. the river, mm-hmm. and Ko is the river Congo. Mm-hmm. And if you take CO in the middle of Niger, you have Niger River. Mm-hmm. So those are the biggest rivers in Africa. And for me, those rivers, when you put them together, it means Africa can keep moving, keep moving, so and no, nothing can can stop it. So you believe those three rivers is what's going to what what's going to really help the African economy boost? Yes, if we really I use it right. I do believe because these are kind of natural highways we have in Africa. Absolutely. At the same time, these are. Highways for cultures too, because when you look at those rivers, just look at it, just the Nile. Mm-hmm. You start from Congo, Uganda, and you go up to Sudan, South Sudan now, Sudan, Egypt. Just look at the cultures, the, the mm-hmm. civilization they built there. Look at the Congo River, um, which is its own basin, 40, more than 40% of uh, Africa's water. Uh, a lot of great, great potential, and all the different cultures you have there, great music and mm-hmm. all this diversity. Uh, in, in Africa, and look at the Niger River. You start from the Niger Delta, you go up to Guinea, great, great stuff too. So it's just that Africa, that historical vibrancy, and also this youth that is coming up. So we want really to, uh, to really invest in that. Once we have those ideas right, then we can put business ideas behind it because you gotta have the culture first right. You gotta have this, um, the culture right, the foundation right, and then you can build business ideas and bring money. And then we think if Nicosia can really follow its own namesake, mm-hmm. then we can do a lot for Africa. And it's not just us. We are very small, but we, it's just this idea about a new Africa and we got to believe in ourselves and we can do it. And so, As you as you speak of, uh, I heard you mention a few words. You said wisdom. You've talked about the importance of community and even how when you were in the Congo, you were raised, it was a, the whole community that was involved. To what degree are we responsible when we think of the Congolese who are in the diaspora, who may be lost, who don't have a sense of direction? When you look at the elderly within the community or those who are in business and who know what it takes to make our country function, to what level are they responsible in guiding some of these young youth who are growing up within the diaspora and not only in the diaspora, in the Congo? What is it going to take to get them to wake up to understand the role that they have to play to change the Congo? Oh, we should be really, really accountable because uh, we receive so much from our elders mm-hmm. when we're growing up. So we gotta give back. We gotta share it. We receive so much from our communities. Mm-hmm. We gotta, we gotta give back. We receive free education uh, mm-hmm. for a while. We gotta give back. Uh, and I think uh, what is missing in us Congolese here is the sense of community. We don't Absolutely. know how to build it. While back home we have a very strong sense of community. Here we don't build it. Is it because of dictatorship we had during Mobutu and the war we had uh, uh, after Mobutu Otopo with Kabila, uh, mm-hmm. senior and, and, and the son? Uh, I don't know. But we still need, for me, it's not just to say what is lacking. And how, 
for me, it's how we can build it. Mm-hmm. We may just start with a small group of people, small communities, because there are so many young people out there, Congolese, uh, especially those young students who want to do something. But what can we do to build those small communities later for a young Congolese student who want to do something in Oregon mm-hmm. or in, 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 uh, in Springfield, Massachusetts, or in uh, somewhere, let's say, in New Rochelle, New York, or, or another place in the middle of, let's say, in the Midwest, how can we connect these people so they mm-hmm. can create this local community somewhere? So we got to create a system whereby we encourage these young people to do it. And then I think the older generation, they're going to they're gonna follow through. We definitely want to find out a little bit more. I heard you talk about um, the role of women in the Congo and what led you to really start becoming interested in the role of women. But before we do, let's listen to Fer Gola and uh, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. Kulia, who's in the studio with us today with uh, my co-host Kambali Musavuli. We actually have a caller who's been patiently waiting. We're going to go ahead and take that call. 
Hello, and how are you doing today? Hello, Hassan, do we have you on the phone? Hello, Hassan. Hello? Yes, sorry can about that. Me? Yes, we can hear you. How are you doing my, today? Did I, I say your name my, right? My brother's friend worked with Muhammad Ali, mm-hmm. the boxer. Can mm-hmm. I have the gentleman to consult his telephone number, please? You want the consulting company's number? I want the, you know, the gentleman that's talking there. Can I have his telephone number, please? Uh, Mr. Kulia, where can okay. he contact you? Yes, yeah, so you can call me. My number, I have a connected number. is 203-586-9528. Repeat it again, please. 203-586-9528. And your name? Mr. Kulia. Spell it, please. K-U-L-Y-A. Y-A, yeah. Or if you get lost, you can call the show and then they will give you my number. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Okay, have a good day. Well, back to the show. Um, We were talking about business investors in the Congo and a little bit about uh, the business that you do. I know, Kambale, this is your special sector when we're talking about technology. Yes, Um, yes. And I'm very excited to see that the the firm I work uh, with also is a consulting firm. So it's kind of interesting to see you actually uh, running uh, one. Uh, but my my particular focus has been around technology. Uh, we we are a global uh, tech firm that focuses on advising um, those who around the world on IT and tech, specifically in software. So in the work that you do, uh, have you done some consulting around tech? And what do you see the role of uh, cell phones uh, in the new global economy around mobile banking and so on and how can we get more Africans interested in tech and and also in the financial sector of tech uh, to advance uh, the mobile banking industry on the African continent. Oh, technology is very critical in Africa, really. Um, when you look at the last 20, 25 years in Africa, uh, technology has really, really changed the landscape. Uh, when you look at mobile tele- uh, telephone, um, how a couple of years ago in Africa, very, very few people, not even 2% of the population had a telephone line. And now you see even people in some remote areas, they have telephone. Um, what we can do with this telephone, uh, it, it's amazing. So it's going to change the landscape, whether it's in financial services. Financial services here I may talk about the payment system mm-hmm. and also banking, which means people can open up their own bank account and manage the bank account yes. uh, through mobile phone. And here we're not even talking about smartphone. We're talking about future phone, simple phone that everybody can have all across Africa. Um, and in places like Kenya, you can look at it. There are many, many young entrepreneurs and more and more women even involved who are creating this application for future phone in, in financial services. Yeah. Really, really great work is done there. Um, and the, so in financial services, there is a lot that can be done. And we can learn a lot in Kenya because Kenya is a hub for innovation uh, for Africa in that part. Yeah. Um, uh, mobile phone, a technology in education, how we can deliver the content of education to the people who didn't have access to it. Mm-hmm. Let's say a school that is far away in a place maybe uh, like um, uh, Kabinda in the Kasai province um, or in a remote place of Kabinda that didn't have all the books, you may find ways to have application to deliver the content uh, so, to those kids there. So, healthcare and anything else. Too. How do we support 
Congolese women in business? Um, I think women are very critical. When you look at the business sector in Congo, in many parts of Africa, women are the real uh, players in it. Yeah. Um, you go to the marketplace, as I said before, and you go even to other different places. Women are the one really doing the real work because men who want to work for the government, who want to work for a firm, uh, women, they try to find opportunities wherever they are. Um, unfortunately, there is not an ecosystem to support them to move to the next level. Yeah. Uh, to provide like consulting services, like advisory services, how to best run the businesses, uh, how to best manage whatever the supply chain, uh, to best manage the relationship with the customers, and also to get funding, and also to give them idea how to grow mm-hmm. from a business that is making maybe ten thousand dollar a year to go to fifty thousand one hundred and even more million dollars. Uh, so we don't have the ecosystem, so we gotta build it. Okay. Whether us as a civil society or as a business community or the government, so we gotta really, really build that. And the, the diaspora can help in that because there are many, many people in the diaspora who have this experience. Men and women who have this experience in business, in nonprofits, in public policy, in government, they can go back home and really support this woman mm-hmm. as um, advisor, business advisor, as investors, and also as business partners. And it's gonna be a win-win situation. And the more women who are gonna be successful in business, that means the whole community gonna be, gonna benefit from it. And at the same time, the whole country gonna, gonna move forward. Can I recommend them to Kenzie Enterprises? Of course, anytime they can call us and we can provide some pro bono work. With, with can like you that. Um, give that number again for our listeners? Where do they contact you? Yes, so the telephone number is 203-586. Nine five, two eight. So as we close the show, um, I know we were talking a little bit earlier and you mentioned that there's a few things that you're doing in the community um, that's up and coming. If you can share with our listeners who want to be involved in that, where can they go if they want to get a little bit more involved and what is going on? Yes, yes, we, we are, um, I, I'm involved with one small uh, nonprofit. It's called African Expressions. I started it with other uh, other Africans uh, in in the New York area, and now we are starting some activities in the Washington D.C. area, um, and we are partnering with one amazing organization, which is called Sauti Zuri. It's based in the Washington D.C. area. Uh, it's run by young Africans, um, uh, first and second generation Africans, and uh, Sauti Zuri have been organizing a couple of events for a couple of years in the Washington D.C. area. So we'll be organizing a women leadership forum. It's called uh, Women's Transformation transformational uh, leadership in Africa. So we want to look at how women are changing the face of Africa and how we can help them keep moving Africa forward. Uh, it's going to be held on Thursday, uh, August 6, mm-hmm. 2015, uh, in the afternoon. I think it's going to start around uh, around 4 p.m., going until, until 7 p.m. at the American University. In, uh, okay. in Northwest uh, Washington, D.C., at the American University School of International Service. It's on Massachusetts Avenue in the Northwest Washington, D.C. So everybody's welcome. It's a free event. So you're going to have the opportunity to hear from great, great speakers, mm-hmm. uh, all kind of women. We invited uh, like one female ambassador from an African country. We invite uh, women entrepreneurs. We invited uh, women are really, really having a big impact uh, 
on 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 African life here and and back home, mm-hmm. and also we want those women to build a network so to support each other, mm-hmm. and also the men, myself being a man, and other men were supporting it. So we really would like to support it because this is for the sake of Africa. Uh, when African women uh, move for uh, when African women win, Africa moves forward. So it's for for the sake of Africa. And you mentioned that there's going to be an artist playing there, right? Yes, we we invited. Um, we invited uh, a Congolese artist, um, a young Congolese artist. His name is Fali Pupa. He will be he will be performing in Washington D.C. on uh, on Saturday, August eight. But he will be at the event on Thursday okay. uh, at the Women uh, Leadership event on on Thursday, April, uh, August six. So if you want to come and hear about uh, Fali Pupa's like foundation, you like music, it? you go to his okay. concert. Great musician. And also, if you like to come here about what he's doing with his foundation, Fali Pupa Foundation, what he's doing in Kinshasa, and what his plan is doing across Congo, so you can come and hear him on on, on Thursday, July, uh, August six, uh, at the Women Leadership Summit uh, Forum. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. We really look forward to you coming back whenever you know you live down the street. So anytime you want to drop by, we yes. always um, we'll look forward to having you on the show. And it's a great, great pleasure. Great, great pleasure. And and Kambali, thank you for um, giving us the wonderful news. And we yes, want yes, I'm leaving. You know, right next week, I'm not gonna be in DC, unfortunately. And we want to thank Tabilulu Productions for all the great work that they do, Mr. Lobangi Munyanya, and uh, Shay. Thank you for. All the wonderful work you do and Danielle thank you for all the social media work that you do and you guys have a great evening oh,